0: If you go through a design process, by the time you get to the end and you develop the product, making any significant change to that is not only nearly impossible; it's often very costly.
1: A lot of people, when they go to a new location, they buy one of the travel guides to that country
0: and ideas that are all centered or framed with the goal of supporting identity development.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, educators and innovators, welcome to the electrifying season 3 of ISS EDU Learn, Ask Me Anything with your dynamic host Mike P and Dana We're not just here to make waves, we're here to ride the tidal waves of your incredible support to the 21,000 strong downloaders and listeners who joined us on this incredible journey. We tip our hats to you. Your unwavering enthusiasm and active engagement fuels the very heartbeat of our mission. This season, we're not holding back. We're unleashing a tsunami of valuable insights, strategies, and practical wisdom that will effortlessly weave into the tapestry of your educational institutions. Whether you're ready to implement change today or set sail on a journey of profound exploration, trust us, we got you covered. For the inside scoop of upcoming events and certification opportunities that rock your world, Point your browsers to iss.edu slash events. Are you ready to ride the podcast wave of a lifetime? Mike P and Dana are here to make it happen. Let the learning adventures begin. ISSEDU Learn Ask Me Anything Season 3. Dive in. Welcome to ISSEDU Learn Ask Me Anything with Mike and Dana, brought to you by ISSEDU. I am Mike P, your favorite educator interviewer, alongside my co-host, Dr. Dana Specker-Watts, who is the Director of Learning Research and Outreach at ISS. How are you feeling today, Dana?
3: I'm feeling excited and happy.
2: (laughs) The weather check.
3: It's beautiful outside, and I got to start the day rowing on beautiful Carnegie Lake, and it was stunningly gorgeous.
2: Love it. Wow. And we're also joined here with Molly Fay, serving as the voice of the audience. Molly Faye is the customer support and technology coordinator at ISS. How are you doing, Molly Fay, today?
4: I'm doing really well, Mike. Thanks so much for including me in today's podcast.
2: Very good to hear. So we're back today for season three, episode six of our podcast. And once again, thank you to the 21,000 plus and listens and keep them coming. Don't forget to hit the subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. We can be located on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and numerous others. This season will continue to provide you with best practical information, insights, and strategies that you can take back to your educational institutions and put into practice immediately or explore further. Also stay tuned to upcoming events and certifications that we have at IS, here at ISS by visiting us at issedu slash events. And if you're looking for your next job opportunity, check out our virtual and physical fairs. Today, we have a very special guest with us who can also speak about our virtual and physical fairs, Danielle View. Danielle View has shared her expertise centering the world in international school positions, networking, key qualities, and skills needed, interviewing tips, and some personal highlights of her own journey within our past courses, within our EDU Learn platform. Danielle, how are you doing today?
5: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Good to hear. Just wanted, if you wanted to tell the guests a little bit more about yourself and uh, your role here at ISS.
5: Sure. So I've been working for ISS since November of last year. So it'll be one year soon, but I'm very familiar with ISS from my time Working internationally in international schools, both as a candidate and then as a recruiter. So I got my first overseas teaching job through ISS back in the day, and have really loved the company ever since then. And i am happy now to be on the other side and working for ISS and supporting schools with finding the very best candidates for their students. My title, my title is
2: mm-hmm, go for <laughs> it.
5: Assistant Director of teacher recruitment
2: all right do a lot of hiring on your end
5: i don't do a lot of hiring Nope. i do a lot of trying to connect people who do the hiring with the people they want to hire so i feel like danielle's like the matchmaker right like which ah. is like such a fun role like
3: she connects awesome human beings with awesome schools she's like so it's almost like yeah here's a great fit or here's a great candidate don't you guys connect and figure out how to best, you know, shine together.
2: So it seems like you have a good background on a lot of uh, good educators that are out there. So for the ones who aspire to work in the international schools, what advice would you give someone who is just newly entering and looking for a position? Yeah. Maybe specifically been... a leadership role position as well.
5: Oh, uh, so a teaching position and a leadership position? Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking for a teaching position well well first of all whether you're a candidate looking for a teaching or a leadership position I think the first thing to know is that there's a lot of unknown about international education depending on where you live you might not know that much about it and so my first advice would be to do a lot of research and you know there's a lot of myths out there about you know teaching in international schools that are not true And then there's information that you just need to know. I would say there's a lot of different recruitment agencies. We're not the only game in town, but I always say we're the best game in town. We've been around for over 65 years. We're trusted in the industry. We care deeply about the quality of the schools that we represent and the quality of the candidates that we represent. And so what you want to do is make sure if you're going to utilize a recruitment agency for international positions that you use one that you're aligned to their vision, their mission, and the quality of services that they're going to offer you. So I would look at those things and also just be open to looking everywhere in the world and don't be fixated on just one spot. I think being open, going to job fairs in person helps you connect with recruiters from everywhere. You get to hear school presentations. And I often would go to fairs, even if I wasn't That year, looking for a new position because it's a wonderful way to network. There's usually professional development opportunities, especially if you're at an ISS job fair. We're known for that. And if you are looking for a leadership position, there's lots of leadership positions also within our database besides teaching positions. And we do have a whole side of our recruitment group that works on leadership searches. So ISS could be very helpful if you're looking for. A leadership position. We have a whole team of people that
4: help schools find great leaders. So Danielle, as Mike mentioned earlier, I uh, stand in as kind of the voice of the audience and ask questions that have been submitted by people who have taken your course, are familiar with the podcast, etc. And so the question of the day today is, as a prospective educator seeking a role in international schools, how can I distinguish myself in a highly competitive job market to secure sought after positions? Additionally, what strategies can I implement to ensure my long-term success and career progression within the international school context? So I'll go ahead and ask the first part of the question again. And then after you address that, I can ask the second part. So as a prospective educator seeking a role in international schools, How can I distinguish myself in a highly competitive job market to secure sought-after positions? The way that you distinguish yourself
5: in this market is by doing a lot of preparation, doing a lot of research. The more you understand about the school that you're interviewing with or trying to apply to, the better you craft your cover letter to really, number one, address the specific competencies and skills that you have that are related to that job you're trying to get. And the more you understand and can articulate why you're interested in that school, the more personalized you can make it, the better chance you are going to stand out because that's gonna be generally your first contact with a recruiter is gonna be that cover letter if you're applying for a position. So really spending time, there is a tendency, and I'm not gonna lie, I've done this myself, where you generate a cover letter and then you just keep using it over and over and you just change the name of the school and the position. And when you're looking, it's very tempting to do that. And you can use parts of your letter, right? But it is really important school leaders and recruiters know immediately when they look at a cover letter, whether you really know anything about the school or the job that they posted, or if you're just responding to 10,000 jobs and you're just sending out the same letter all the time. So I think that's one way to distinguish yourself is to really do a good job there. And the other way is, I think, highlighting anything unique in your journey and your background in professional learning. So I think schools really want to see that you're either a teacher or a leader who believes in continuous improvement and continuous learning. And one of the really amazing things that ISS has done this year is we have a passport of courses that are now connected to the platform. So what a school leader can do is they can get onto. if you are an ISS candidate, they can see your amazing detailed profile, but they can also see all the courses that you've been taking. So there's a, it's very impressive for recruiters to see what you're interested in, to see the types of courses you're taking, and to just see that you are a person who really wants to continue to grow in their field. So I think those are two big things you can do to stand out.
2: Are you an educator looking to elevate your career? Consider More Than University, your gateway to success in international schools. They offer fully online programs with flexible start dates, and affordable tuition rates, allowing you to balance work and personal life. Moreland University isn't your typical institution. Say goodbye to dull lectures and hello to engaging, interactive learning with passionate educators like yourself. It's a hands-on education that sparks creativity and prepares you for the real-world challenges. With Moreland University, you can earn a prestigious U.S. teaching certification or a master's degree in education from anywhere in the world. Their programs are designed to empower you to become a leader in your field. Don't wait. Take your steps forward, transforming your career today. Visit www.moreland.edu and apply now. Let Moreland University help you make a difference in student lives worldwide, one classroom at a time. Your journey to becoming an exceptional educator starts with Moreland University. A brighter future begins with you.
3: Yeah, and I think that... I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but like just familiarizing yourself with what's different about the international schools compared to schools in the States. There's lots of different websites and things that you can see. One of the things I was thinking about, Danielle, when you were talking is like, I was not prepared. The first time I walked into an international school to teach, right? I wasn't prepared with the fact that people would be from all over the world and that my students would have very different experiences Then like, for example, like if you're going to teach about the Vietnam War, the in Vietnam, that's called the American invasion. And you're going to have students from Vietnam or students who have lived in Vietnam. So like understanding the context of the, wealth of experiences these students have had. When you're talking about historical places, you're talking about different countries. Some of these students have lived in these countries. Some of them know the language and can speak fluently. Like it's, that might be where they were born. And so it's just such a rich experience. And so understanding what's different is a big deal too.
5: Yeah. School recruiters want to know that you are aware of some of these differences, it shows cultural competency too.
4: So they they want to know that you're aware of these things. So I think that's a great point, Dana. I think something that was surprising to me coming from, well, I guess just entering the international school community recently is how open interviews and recruiters are and asking about not just experiences and, and things that you typically get in like a stateside interview, but also family life, hobbies, things like that. Can you expand a little bit more on why those are some like key topics that come up in recruitment and interviewing?
5: Yes. And if you're from the U.S. at least, they can seem quite different than an interview that you've ever been on before, because often there's a lot of regulation around what recruiters can ask candidates. But in the international world, there's questions that they need to ask. So they can support you in your application and support you in being able to transition well or support you in understanding what your experience would be like. So there's all kinds of things. So for example, if you have children, they're going to want to know that. They're going to want to know how many dependents you have. Do you have a spouse who's also a teacher or a spouse that would be coming with you? All these things are important. They have financial implications for the school, but they also have implications for the amount of money that you could save at a particular school. There are some schools that in certain countries where if you hold a certain passport, it's very difficult to get a visa to work there. So some schools will even ask you questions about where you were born, what kind of passport you have. Some will even ask your age because there are some countries that you can only work up until a certain age. So for example, in Colombia, it was 62. So... They can't hire anyone who's older than 62 at any of the schools there. So some of those questions, asking some of those questions can create clarity whether it could be a good fit for you. Uh, I'm trying to think if there are any other questions that would be asked. I think that that's like the the ones that I think would be very off from what we would be used to in the States at least.
2: Thanks, Danielle. Danielle, when working with international schools, the importance of cultural sensitivity and adaptability cannot be overstated. How can one who is entering the international educational field effectively navigate the intricacies and cultural nuances and expectations while also proactively addressing potential instances of cultural bias or misunderstanding within the school community with the ultimate goal of promoting inclusivity and unity among students and staff. Mm. So no, it's a long one.
5: Yeah, wow. So we're talking about like after you get the job now and you arrive there. Is that kind of what you're asking? Like, Or how do you represent that you have that cultural sensitivity when you're interviewing?
2: No, let's go with the prior. I already have the job.
5: Oh, okay. So I already have the job. Okay, so I think, first of all, you have to go into... The situation as a learner. like You have to decide that no matter how much you think you know going in, there's going to be a whole world of things that you don't know and understand. So I think going at it from a very humble place, a place of curiosity, a place of seeking to understand, I think language is really important. So I think whatever country you move to, I think studying the language is very important and demonstrates that you care about being part of the community that you've come to. I think sitting back and listening a lot the first year that you're anywhere is a very good idea. Every school and anyone who's worked in a school knows has its own culture period, right? And then if you add on that it's in a different country, that you have people working at the school from all over the world, that you have students from all over the world, I think when you think about the amount of diversity that's coming together in a lot of these international schools, I think the most important thing is to remember that everybody has a different perspective and you need to seek to understand others. And that would be my biggest advice about how to try to be culturally sensitive when you arrive in a new school setting.
2: Thank you, Danielle, for that. How many languages do you know?
5: I speak English and Spanish.
2: Very nice. Have you attempted any others?
5: French. I can speak restaurant French like no other. I can order red wine. I can order my steak medium. I lived in Brussels for four years and the language there was French and Dutch. But the school community spoke a lot of English and I didn't have to use French except for restaurants, really. So that kind of happened, but I did take lessons. I did try very hard, and I still can read a lot of French. It's just the after learning Spanish, the pronunciation for mm. French is so hard for me. Oh my God! I used to get yelled at by the French teacher all the time. That's Spanish. That is Spanish. Why are you saying it in Spanish? Because I because the words look similar, so That's I would like I pronounce mm-hmm. them a certain way. <laughs> so I was I was not a good French student. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't it wasn't like it, I didn't pick that up as easily.
0: As an educational professional, you likely understand the positive and crucial role inclusion has on classroom culture. And you might be on the lookout for a community of like-minded educators. Senya International is that community. Senya is a non-profit organization that advocates for individuals with disabilities and promotes inclusive educational practices across the globe. With a network of educators, families, students, and professionals, Senya offers connection, professional learning, and support for educators like you. Connect with the Senya community via our membership program or a local chapter in your area. Enjoy professional learning with the Senya community via our podcasts, online certification program, and in-person or virtual conferences. Support Senya through our sponsorships, awards, and scholarship program. So what are you waiting for? For more information, head to our website seniainternational.org. That's S-E-N-I-A International.org, and together we continue to make a difference and fulfill our vision of living in an inclusive world.
2: No, it's just—it's not just you. I'm a French speaker, and I couldn't really pick up Spanish, so it's the same way—the opposite around too.
3: Well, I was going to say that it's good to try to learn the language a hundred percent, but sometimes even just having, like when I was in Thailand, I knew restaurant Thai, I know bar Thai, I know shopping Thai, taxi Thai, like enough to get around in a tough situation. So, and Thai's not necessarily an easy language, but like for teachers going overseas, it shows you're making an effort. And then to really try to, like, I took Thai immersion courses to try to teach myself Thai. I um, might have some struggles in learning additional languages. English is still a struggle, but even though I was an English teacher. But I think that there's some, it really goes such a long way. And it's really helping you integrate into the culture and have a better understanding of where you're about to live.
5: Excellent point.
2: Can Can you share with us a favorite memory from any of the schools that you worked at?
5: Favorite memory.
2: Favorite memory.
5: My first year at working at a school in Bogota, Colombia, I was the one of the associate high school principals. And the school had a uniform policy. And so part of our leadership team <laughs> responsibility was to make sure that they were wearing their school uniform. So it was the very start of the year. And we had a big like student assembly about various things. And the principal was also new and started explaining to the kids about school uniform, but then she got stuck. So then she passed me the microphone and I said all the wrong things. Like I would say something like, remember you can only wear the blue socks. And then like half the people in the audience would be like, that's not true. You wear the white ones too. And so like I, I was new. So I thought I knew the answers to these questions and I was getting them all wrong. So it, was, it sticks out. I laughed really hard afterwards. And I think that's why it just stuck out to me as a favorite memory, because it was very fun and funny with my colleagues. So I think I didn't live that down for a couple months.
2: In international schools, is the attire for interviews the same? You know, you have to wear a suit, mostly a tie, college shirt.
5: I would say I always err on that side. There are, like generally, it's kind of interesting because when you actually work in a school, there's very few schools where people wear a suit or a tie every day. Mm. But you could say that for a lot of businesses too. But I do think in a traditional sense, because you don't really know the person that's going to be interviewing you and how seriously they take that as a sign of professionalism, I think it's just better to err on the side of being more formal no matter what, and then go from there. And it probably won't look the same when you have the job, but to put your best foot forward and not make any assumptions, I would definitely put on my best dress.
2: Yes. Yes. Something my aunt always taught me is that you can never overdress.
5: Yeah. I totally agree with that. And
3: okay, Danielle, you're a really good dresser, but I do think that it shows that you're really serious about the position. Plus, in different countries and in different roles, I've had to dress differently. So, when I was in Bangkok, I was an English teacher. I could dress very much like an English teacher. In Delhi, I was direct uh, uh, in charge of tech, right? Tech coach, coordinator, director. So anyway, what I had to do was it depended on the day. If I was in front of parents or in front of teachers, I dressed one way. If I was on the ground hooking up computers in the lab and working on setting up, you know, smart boards and Apple TVs, I was wearing jeans and a shirt that could get dirty because I'm crawling around on the ground, right? Then when I moved to Hong Kong and was in leadership, like I wanted to always like, feel like a leader and just personally, but also people dressed up. People have beautiful clothes in Hong Kong because it's a really metropolitan city and super fast paced and a lot's going on. And so it was very professional and you have, you know, all the finance community there for Asia. So I dressed a completely different way than I did in the other role. So it's kind of a matter of also, so in the best bet, if you're interviewing, you want to look your best self. And then once you get to the school, you can kind of figure it out, right? In some schools, in some cultures, your shoulders may be appropriate to show or not show. If you're a female, it might be appropriate to show your knees or not show your knees, to show your toes or not show your toes. So you have to really be cognizant of that. You don't have to be cognizant of that during the interview, but you have to be cognizant of that once you get to the country. And the way you dress will matter.
5: I was going to say that in Bogota, people dressed pretty formally, especially women, like in the States, you may run to the grocery store in like your workout clothes, or like go shopping in your workout clothes. And what I found in Bogota was that that was not the case. Like, people are like decked out everywhere. So exactly what Dana's saying is like, you have to learn kind of the cultural norms of dressing wherever you are. I have another funny story, if you have time for it, that's It's pretty short, but it has to do with this dressing thing.
2: We have time.
5: All right. So I went over to Bogota with my two kids and my son got invited to a Colombian birthday party for a kid in his class. So it was like a four-year-old birthday party or a five-year-old birthday party. And it was at this jumping place. And I hadn't been in the country very long. When we got the invitation, I thought, my only reference was here. So what I would do here is I would put on clothes. I could also go jumping in and I would jump with my five-year-old. like, cause he's kind of little and you know, whatever. So I put on like these like really baggy pants, like a t-shirt and I show up to this birthday party. What I don't realize is that all the other moms are dressed like to the nines, to talking, like, high heels, like, gorgeous outfits there's diamonds and none of them are jumping do you know why because they've all brought their empleadas which is like the nanny Mm -hmm. so all the moms are often like a separate room not even like watching the kids in their best dress drinking and having hors d'oeuvres and then meanwhile all the nannies are out like running around chasing Mm -hmm. the children part so I have never been so embarrassed. I know I should be able to not be embarrassed by this, but I have to tell you, I felt like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm wearing this. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those, it was, everyone was staring at me. Like there was just no way. Cause I was also like the only American mom there. There's at CNG, there's just a lot of Colombian families. So, which is awesome, right? Like I got to learn and and meet new people and learn about the culture, but yeah, that was one of those moments where I was like, Oh, I'm in a different world. And uh, I got to get comfortable with that.
3: Danielle, I had such a similar experience a with in Bangkok, similar experience with nannies, and then what the moms were doing. But then I was invited to this beautiful like, you know, Oh, come over for lunch on a Sunday to our house when I was in India, right? So And oh, we're going to swim in the pool. Oh, wonderful. So like, I'm in shorts, t-shirt, you know, the kids are in flip-flops, like we show up. It is this beautiful, beautiful, like something out of like a Martha Stewart, like cover of like this table and the spread and there's people taking care of us and the women and the men are dressed out of like. Something that I couldn't even imagine, like beautiful clothes and linens. And like the kids are walking around, like the one little kid had like this little girl had a beautiful hat. I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I brushed Avery's hair. And like, oh, this is a different experience. Okay, so this isn't like my cutoff shorts and her t-shirt kind of hanging out at the pool. You're like, day. where's the
5: pool party? I got a barbecue going. It was
3: just like, okay, note to self for future events.
4: See, yeah, you got to learn. Yep. It's all part of the fun, though. Part of the learning curve, for sure.
1: Hi everyone, this is Aaron Monez, one of the co-founders of Inspire Citizens. My name is Scott Jameson and I'm the Global Collaborations Lead for Inspire Citizens. We help inspire schools to live their mission of global citizenship. We look at existing units through the lens of empathy to impact and connect student learning with themes like sustainable development, harmony with nature, social justice, and the holistic well-being of our community. We also work with students to co-design student leadership programs another way that we support educators is through our global citizenship certificate in partnership with iss this certificate program involves best practice resources for global citizenship education interactive opportunities to engage with other cohort members, a great team of coaches to walk you through your learning and optional opportunities to connect via seminars with other participants from around the world. Please visit inspirecitizens.org and click on the Inspire Educators tab to register for the Global Citizenship Certificate, visit the ISS website or go to the ISS EduLearn Passport to register today. At Inspire Citizens, we believe that the young people in our schools have the potential to lead change and inspire others through their work towards a more sustainable future. We look forward to working with you, and we hope that together, our resources and your context can help to create a more harmonious future.
4: I know in one of your sessions, you talked about kind of Integrating into a new school as you're going into like maybe a new country, either a new posting or your first time teaching internationally. How do you find the groups that help give you these insights to avoid the uh, <laughs> faux pas, funny faux pas that you guys just shared? Yes. Any of that are like sponsored yeah. by the school or? Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the school, but generally there's always a group, a social group, either on Facebook or some other venue that the staff from the school communicate on. And so that's a really good way to find out information. I would use that in all the different places I've worked, but also um, looking for like expats in a place. So there's a lot of expat groups that you can find on Facebook or you can find in other venues. And in those groups, you'll see lots of people asking very similar questions you might have. Like if you're looking for a pediatrician, you're looking for a dentist, you're trying to find out where you go to buy stamps. I mean, like there's just like you can find out anything. You could probably search it first. And if you can't find somebody else who's posted that question, then you can post that question. But I think there's so many now. I mean, in the past, this is not the case, but now we're so lucky. There's so many different ways to find out what you need to find out. And to find people who are going through the same experience you are. It's also good to like Google it, right?
3: Like so I intended a Thai wedding and like I went to have a dress made and Luckily, the woman who was doing the dress was like, well, you need to know what colors not to wear. And I forget exactly what it was like. I know black is considered a no, no, like because then it's completely which how many women own black dresses, right? Or but a black tie for a man or a black shirt. Not OK. Right. But then there's other things like I forget what it was. I want to say like if you were of a certain age and you wore purple, it meant something I can't remember exactly the color, right? But then it meant a subtle message to them. And so you just want to find out that stuff. So asking someone who's actually from the country, what are some faux pas that I could perhaps do and to help me make sure I'm navigating this and I'm not creating an issue. It's also super fun because you can then be like, oh, I need a new outfit because I certainly can't wear the green dress I have because that is not
2: appropriate. Thanks so much, guys. We wind down our time here. I'm going to officially title this episode EDU Fashion. If you didn't get anything out of this episode, please, please show up in your best dress for your interview. You cannot go wrong. All right. Danielle, did you want to let us, the listeners, know uh, anywhere that they can find you, whether it's social media or email?
5: Yeah, you can uh, email me at dview at iss.edu. And um happy to connect with anyone. So please reach out. Thank
4: you so much for having me.
2: Thank you, Dana. Molly Fay. any last words?
4: It's always a pleasure talking with you, Danielle. Uh, Mike, thanks again for having me on the podcast. Dana, it's always fun hanging out with you too.
2: So. Thanks. And Dana has waved you guys goodbye. <laughs> Thanks so much, Danielle, uh, for sharing your valuable insights and experiences with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on EDU Learn, Ask Me Anything. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in again. If you found our episode inspiring and informative, please be sure to hit the like, subscribe and share the AMA with your educator friends. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning and keep making a positive impact in the world of education. Till next time. Bye-bye.